Hi, I'm Seth Atwater, the Literary Life Coach, and this is Bibliotherapy with the World's Greatest Books. Welcome back to our podcast. We're really excited today as we uh, get into our very first song um, and character. And I'm going to let Seth introduce this one to you, and then um, next week I'll start. I'll introduce the next one on Monday. All right, yeah. So we're going to be starting with one of my uh, favorite characters, who's from a story that I grew up with and I have a lot of nostalgia for, which is uh, Percy Jackson from the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series. Um, and, written by yeah, written by uh, Rick Riordan. Thanks. Um, the song that we've selected for him is one that we already talked about a little bit in the last episode, which is the song Presto by the band Rush. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go through the song, the lyrics of the song, and we're going to explain to you why we feel like this song uh, in each of its each of its parts really fits the character of Percy. And uh, hopefully as you listen, you'll uh, you'll enjoy what we're what we're talking about and you can agree with us and think it was great or you can disagree with us and and if you have some of your own ideas we'd love to hear those too so um the song presto starts off with the line if i could wave my magic wand and i think that initially just kind of tells us this is a fantastic uh character it's a fa- you know uh, uh there's magic there's powers there's you know something and, and i think that's a good introduction to uh to his character through the song Absolutely, and it also kind of teases something that we're going to get into a little later into this song. This whole series is probably going to end up turning into a bit of a try not to sing challenge for myself, too, so we don't get into uh, legal territory too much. Um, So the next line, or the next paragraph, says, I am made from the dust of the stars, and the ocean flows in my veins. And um, that bit... Uh, just kind of, to me, seems like it perfectly describes uh, Percy's nature as a uh, as a demigod. And for those of you who don't know the story, this is a, a world where the ancient Greek gods are still living in modern America. And the main character, Percy Jackson, lives in New York. Um, his dad is the Greek god Poseidon. So, so this line I really like because it's... A- I am made from the dust of the stars. That's an, an indication that he is that he is uh, made from immortal from an immortal being, being his father. And then he says, "And the ocean flows in my veins." And that again is a reference to Poseidon specifically. So we, it's the gods, and then specifically Poseidon. And the next line he says, "Here I hide in the heart of the city, like a stranger coming out of the rain." And in this book, Percy Jackson starts off as uh, a young man going to school in the heart of New York City. And he doesn't know that he's a demigod. He doesn't know who his father is. He's living with his mother and his stepfather. And so he is hidden in the heart of the city. And so that really just kind of captures the whole beginning of this story, this this first part. Right. And in uh, in addition, his mother is specifically keeping him hidden uh both so that they don't find him but also kind of keeping him hidden in the sense of he doesn't know about the magical world in order to keep him safe from all of the different 
um, monsters and threats that he would have to deal with if he was aware of it. So the next line, the evening plane rises up from the runway over constellations of light. I look down into a million houses and wonder what you're doing tonight. Now, this bit is actually sort of interesting because in the book, Percy doesn't fly on planes because it's dangerous for him because Zeus, who's another one of the Greek gods, doesn't really like him very much. And if he was to go flying, he'd be in his domain being the sky. So what's kind of your take on um, what that might mean? I think I think you could see this as a metaphor for him wondering about his father. And I think throughout the book, he wonders who his father is, what his father's doing, why his father's not a part of his life. So uh, even though he's not actually going up on the runway, he knows about airplanes and he can and he sees pictures of the city at night with all the uh, lights and, and stuff. And so I think it, I think it really is a wondering about his dad, which is what he really does throughout the book until he finally is it's revealed to him who his father is. But he wants to know. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And so looking down into a million houses and he doesn't know which one is the house of his father. Right. I wonder what you're doing tonight. So I think this is just in reference to that character development of I'm not I don't know who my father is. I wonder who he is. There's millions of people out here in this city and my dad could be any one of them. Definitely. I think that's really insightful way of looking at it. So the next line, um, we get back to kind of the bit that we started on being, it says, if I could wave my magic wand, I'd make everything all right. So um, Percy at the beginning of the story, both in his situation, in his family, uh, and in his life, and also as he's starting to discover all of these new magical things, he's going through a lot of difficult times, and he's got a lot of different kinds of trials that he has to deal with. And I think particularly in this in this uh, beginning, as as we've gotten, we're, we're really in the beginning of the story still. And I think his mother really is is poor. Yeah. And she's living with a man who's abusive. Mm-hmm. And I think in in this particular moment, it's a it's this thing of if I could wave my magic wand, I'd make everything all right. He would want to make everything all right for his mother specifically. I think that's definitely point, true. That that's what that's what we're getting at. His mom has been sacrificing for me. She's living with this loser, this guy who's abusive to her and to myself. And um, I would, I want to fix that. I want to make everything all right. And so if he could wave a magic ma- magic wand, he <laughs> would. And then, and then we get into our next part of our story, which is what you were just alluding to. Right. I'm not the the next line, the next um, stanza of the song. I'm not one to believe in magic, but I sometimes have a second sight. I'm not one with a sense of proportion, when my heart still changes overnight. And this takes us into that next part of the story, right? Right. Where um, Percy Jackson is starting to learn that there are magic things out there. Um, I think specifically about the um, uh, the field trip. Yeah, yeah. That he goes on, and his teacher gives him a pen. <laughs> tells him it's gonna be it's a it's this thing that he can use to protect himself. And then the demon, uh, what's what is she? She's a uh, she's a harpy. Yeah, harpy. The harpy comes and attacks him. So so we get this thing where it's uh, uh, he says, I'm not one to believe in magic, but I sometimes have a second. He's seeing things that other people aren't seeing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm not one with a sense of proportion when my heart still changes overnight. And this is in that scene specifically is where I think his heart changes overnight, where he has to face the fact that he lives in a world of magic and a world of, of magical creatures that other people are not involved in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
I think that also kind of plays a little bit into the the last bit in terms of kind of he's being thrown into all of these new challenges and saying I'm not one to believe in magic could also be seen in a in a second view of that he starts out the story being a little bit more cynical and he doesn't he doesn't really fully believe in himself or in the fact that he could just make everything better even though he wants to. So then moving on to the next section, uh, it says, I had a dream of a winter garden, a midnight rendezvous, silver blue and frozen silence. What a fool I was for you. Um, so this bit is really interesting and it's kind of moving us uh, story-wise into the next section where Percy is got into the, the camp for the demigods where he's going to kind of stay so that he can deal with um, this new realization of his uh, all this magical stuff that's going on, and they'll kind of keep him safe from the monsters and stuff. And there's a character he meets there that he, who he really looks up to, whose name is Luke. But, specifically with this, uh, this last line, what a fool I was for you, um, suggests that there's something a little bit off about this relationship, that being that this person he looks up to, Luke, ends up being one of the bad guys, and he uh, is he ends up framing Percy for stealing this magical item and, and really uses him uh, in a way that Percy can't really see because he's kind of idolizing this guy. Right, so I think that really explains that one. And the next, the next stanza is also a, a, a kind of a dream uh, sequence. He says, I had a dream of open water. I was swimming away out to sea so deep I could never touch bottom. What a fool I used to be. And I think this one actually has a couple of a couple of ways that we can understand that. And one is simply that he he is, he learns while he's in that camp that he is the son of Poseidon and he has these powers over water. And, and so this dream about water, this is kind of him learning who he is and his powers and his uh, but it's also kind of a reference to he's getting caught up in this otherworldly experience and and in, including and was you know uh, 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 he says I could never touch bottom he's being accused of stealing Z uh, Zeus's lightning bolt his that's right bolt. yeah and and that kind of feels so deep and yeah how do you how do you get yourself out of something like that right yeah absolutely yeah. Moving on to the, the next bit says, if I could wave my magic wand, I'd set everybody free. And that kind of, in a way, sort of has the same meaning as what it's talking about before, that he wants to be able to help people. Uh, but now we have the word everybody. So we're kind of getting, as he's going to this camp and moving on with his life, he's meeting other people. And now he has more people that he cares about that he wants to protect um, outside of just his mom. And actually himself, too. I think yeah. up to this point, you know, up uh, in the beginning, it was his mom he wanted to set free. It was his right. mom that he was worried about. Now he himself is being accused of things that he doesn't, uh, that he's not a part of, and, and that could really be harmful to him. And so, we, you know, he's, he's feeling like, I need to set not just, I need to set myself free, I need to set my friends free, I need to set my mom free. So now the stakes have grown. They're much, a much, much bigger stakes than they used to be. And then from there, where, where are we at here? Uh, right in here, this paragraph. Okay, so, we, so then we can, we're going to repeat the, a little bit of some, what we talked about before. I'm not one to believe in magic, though my memory has a second sight. I'm not one to 
go pointing my finger when I radiate more heat than light. And I think in this one, I, I really like the last line of the stanza, when I radiate more heat than light. And, he, mm -hmm. and that's him, it's a, a re, I think that's a, a really good reference to his humanity. Uh, if he was more light than he was heat, he would be more of a god than he was a mortal. And he's saying, I'm more mortal than I am God. Well, I have a God parentage, and I have these powers. Now, there's a couple of things. One, he can die, so right. we know he's mortal. And also, he he has a love for the humans in a way that the gods don't for the other people around him. And and again, going back to that, wanting to wave his magic wand. So I, I think I think that's that's really what that stanza is really getting at. Yeah. And then um, the last bit that we have before it starts kind of repeating itself over at the end is a couple paragraphs, which I think we can probably go over together because they say kind of similar things. It says, don't ask me, I'm just improvising my illusion of a careless flight. Can't you see my temperatures rising? I radiate more heat than light. Don't ask me, I'm just sympathizing. My illusion's a harmless flight. Can't you see my temperatures rising? I radiate more heat than light. Um, so what I'm seeing from this is kind of says, don't ask me, I'm just improvising. It's like he doesn't really fully know what he's doing. He's just doing his best to figure out what's the best thing to do, what's the best uh, path to take uh, as things are escalating in the story and temperatures rising and uh, stuff like that. Right, and then, and then again, it, that I radiate more heat than light. I think there's, this, there's uh, a sense, there's a sense that he has of abandonment. Yeah. That his father had abandoned him for all these years. And even though now his father has has said, I am your father, there's still this sense of being abandoned. And there's still a sense of being more connected to the human world than to the world of the Olympian gods. And so that, again, we go back to that. I radiate more heat than light. And then um, don't ask me, I'm just sympathizing. So the right. first part says, I'm just improvising. And that's an, an indication that he doesn't feel like he really knows what he's doing, but he's trying. <laughs> and then I'm just sympathizing. That goes back to his humanity, right? Yeah. That the Olympian gods don't seem to have this same sense of sympathy that the humans do. And so he, even though he's got a, he's got a father who's an who's a Olympian god, his mother is human. And I think he really relates more to the mother than he does to the father. Yeah, and that's something that's a big theme in the story, so it's really interesting to see that being so focused on and so emphasized in this song. Yeah, so that's uh, basically the whole song, and I find it really interesting and impressive that we're able to go through this whole song and basically go over the story of Percy's journey throughout the first book, and it really is kind of a one-to-one -one correlation the whole way through. And we hope, we hope you guys really enjoyed this. Um, and I think as we go through and we do more of these, I'm hoping that that you will enjoy them and, and you'll be able to go out and use uh, literature to uh, and uh, literature and music to kind of help you understand the world, because that's what we're doing. That's all we're doing is trying to understand the world through Percy Jackson's eyes, through Rush, the band Rush and their song and, and combining those two. Uh, one of the things I oftentimes ask my clients to do in one of our first sessions is to pick a theme song for themselves in their own life. And uh, I, I would encourage each of you or challenge each of you who are listening to this to go and, and find a theme song that really fits you. This was Percy's theme song. And I think 
Um, I think Seth and I both felt like this really captured the feeling of the story of Percy Jackson in The Lightning Thief. I felt like that really captured it. So on Monday, we're going to talk about um, Edward and Bella from, well, specifically Bella. It will be Bella's theme song from the book. Um, what is the name of that book? Twilight. Twilight. I, I can't remember names <laughs> of books and things. I read them, but I don't remember them. So That's we'll, fine. So we'll go over that one. Um, and, 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 I, and I hope you'll enjoy that one too. But I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we will talk to you later. Yeah. See you next time. Go out, read a good book, listen to a good song.